I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome a very good friend of mine and my current housemate for the week, Allison Kate. Allison is a hypnotherapist, energy healer, trauma processing facilitator, metaphysical anatomy advanced practitioner, Reiki master, yoga and meditation teacher, and life transformation coach, amongst other things. So clearly she is a woman of many talents and great knowledge of all things holistic, healing, and self-care. Allison has been developing and learning all of these skills for the past 16 years and has developed a thriving private practice where she offers many different ways for individuals to get to the core issues of their physical, mental, and emotional ailments and find ways to truly heal at a metaphysical and physical level as well as mental and emotional. Allison is passionate and has a deep respect for her clients and a tremendous wealth and knowledge of the work that she does. We have a really fun and a really in-depth conversation. So get a notepad and a pen because you're gonna wanna take a lot of notes because she offers us a lot of insight and a lot of really great tips. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hello, Allison, and welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Having you to the table. (laughs) Allison and I are actually sitting together at a kitchen table right now in Tennessee, which is really exciting. It's the first guest I've had in person. All my other guests I've done virtually through Zoom. And now Allison and I are here together getting to talk live. One person from New York, one person from California. Meeting in the middle. (laughs) We're both doing road trips right now, and this was our meeting point. So here we are. We're also good friends. We met earlier this year, online. Last year? I don't know. Yeah, either end of last year or beginning of this year at an online event. And we connected and have been meeting regularly since then. We do circling together where we get to kind of play with our different gifts energetically and spiritually and all that fun stuff. Now we've gotten to do that in person. Mm-hmm. So Allison, Allison Kate is your full name? That's what I go by. Yes. <laughs> Allison Kate, you are a hypnotherapist, an energy healer, trauma processing facilitator, a metaphysical anatomy advanced practitioner, a Reiki master, yoga and meditation teacher, life transformation coach, is there anything you don't do? <laughs> yes, so much more that I always <laughs> want to be learning about all the time, but I do love what I do. Wonderful. And can you tell us a little bit about what your practice looks like now? So you see many clients. I know this because we've been spending the week together and you're constantly um, seeing clients, which I applaud. You have a very full schedule, but you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, so I moved to New York in 2016 and had been working office jobs before that and doing yoga and healing work on the side and had one last really awful office job in New York City that was like the last kick in the ass I needed to go really live my purpose and 
um, quit that and have been doing this full time ever since. I am based in New York City, but have been traveling for the last several months and am really lucky that my practice is online and um, it's really amazing that we can do energy healing work and trauma processing work so easily online because it's almost easier when you take out the confines of the physical body like in, for example in person you know I can't have my hands at your head and my hands at your feet at the same time but energetically uh, in the virtual space you can so we're playing more in the quantum field which opens more possibilities I think. How cool. Did you work predominantly in person before all of this? Um, Probably a little less than half and half, like maybe 60, 40. Um, So I was already seeing clients online from different parts of the country and a a couple in different countries, but predominantly in New York. Yeah. Okay. So now of the long list of things that I, I mentioned that you do, what did you start with when you first did you quit your job first or had you already started this practice? Yeah, I was already doing a lot of this on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my my real way in. Well, so I grew up in a very holistic household, healthy eating, nutrition, um, caring, exercise, caring about how you treat your physical body, but not the most emotionally healthy And so from a young age, that was really important to me to focus on the mental health just as much as the physical health. And um, I got started therapy for myself, um, although we had been to family therapy when I was probably about 16. And I was like the only weirdo that liked going to therapy and thought it was so valuable in a time where like I got to express myself and be heard and in a family where that wasn't always welcome. Um, And so I really valued that and just thought personal growth was amazing and would just like ingest both uh, reading and from audiobooks, lots of self-help books in my late teens and early 20s, and then got really into yoga college through the study of Ayurveda and also just, you know, that was more and more of an option at that point. And so my first certificate, my first official certification was in Ayurveda and the yoga teaching yoga. Yeah. And so you started doing that while you're still at your office job. Yeah. When I graduated college, I worked at a homeless shelter, which was amazing and also really rough as a 22 year old without any support and proper training to do that. I was sort of thrown into the fire. And then from there, I transitioned to working on the data side of things. So I did research and evaluation for human services and addiction treatment and mental health and homelessness. And I did that for a long time and it was, you know, fulfilling at first, but there was always the component of like missing working directly with people. I knew that was what I wanted to do. And I was sitting at a desk, like crunching numbers in a sense. Yeah. So how long did it take you before you were a hundred percent doing your own work? in your own practice. Was that hard to launch an online practice that was energy and yoga and meditation based? Um, Well, that was all in person. I taught a lot of group classes when I was still living in Massachusetts before I lived, uh, before I moved to New York. And then in New York, taught a lot of group classes and started to get more and more private, private clients. And I also, uh, when I moved to New York, I started teaching dance. I taught uh, bachata as partner dance, and I was just so in love with it. And 
sort of right place at the right time where a new school opened up. And so I, I couldn't have imagined that ever happening, but that was quite an honor. So when I quit my last office job, I was also teaching dance privates for a while too, which helped supplement the, the holistic side of things. Cool. Wow. And so that was several years ago. Yes. And now what did your, did your practice look like now? What is the most common service that you offer or do you commonly offer just a whole plethora of different things, like sort of tailor make a program for various clients? Yeah. So maybe four years ago or so, I was primarily teaching yoga. I had done training in past life regression and hypnotherapy and a couple of the other smaller modalities, EFT and bilateral stimulation, and but was primarily seeing one-on-one yoga clients. And that in a I guess about four years ago, 2018, that almost like flip-flopped. Um, so I started doing way more healing work. The new private yoga clients sort of fell off because I was so focused on doing more trauma and healing work. And that's, you know, I love teaching yoga and I've had, I have some very sweet clients who I have really long-standing relationships with in that way. And I'm very grateful for those connections. And so that will always be part of my practice, I'm sure. But the, the healing work really gets at my heart. I mean, I feel like that's, that's how I meant to serve more so. And what are your healing modalities? What do you offer when people are coming to heal trauma, wounding, anxiety, depression, all those things. Yeah. So everyone comes, um, you know, with different presenting issues. I don't have a niche per se, although I care a lot about women's empowerment, women's body image issues, um, relationship equality in general, working with men and and self-esteem and this concept of like, playing small and not getting to be who we really are, like our soul, the way it shines on the inside and not having that project outside into the world. So that's what I'm most passionate about. But I tend to combine techniques sort of intuitively, like that's because I have such a big sort of toolbox in a sense. Um, That's part of my creative process. It's like, okay, so this is what someone's presenting with. And these are the things that I feel would be most helpful in this moment based on what's coming up. Generally, I use several techniques that work to process emotions because even when we do trauma work for the subconscious or for the long-term memory, there's emotions and energy that still gets stored and stuck or almost like locked into the body with trauma instincts. And so from my experience, doing straight hypnotherapy, for example, isn't sufficient because it works with the subconscious and sort of negates what's going on in the body. So I'm always checking in with the body, um, the emotional components and a lot of hypnotherapy exercises as far as rewiring the neural network pathways and repatterning, you know, the brain works on repetition. So a lot of that is uh, just exercises and tapping into the power of our imagination. So I mean, I always say like your imagination is the most powerful tool you have to heal because it can so easily create your own remedy when you're tapped into the wisest part of yourself. You know, you know what you need. So in hypnotherapy, I see myself more as a facilitator than a healer because we all have our own answers inside. It's just, I'm so lucky to get to help people tap into accessing those parts. Um, And then I also sort of the trifecta that I often work with is um, 
in the theta healing realm, but we're working with different belief systems that can originate from this lifetime, but also ancestral or past lives, if you believe in that, um, and on a soul level. And then I guess like one other caveat is the trauma work. Some of the more uh, more clinical or uh, science-based um, techniques like EMDR, bilateral stimulation, brain spotting, EFT. And so when people come to me, I do my best to customize the session for what's going to be most effective for them because I found that when, you know, if I'm operating only from a spiritual perspective and that's not where someone is, that it'll get lost. The healing work will get lost in translation if you're only approaching it from one side. So um, that's something that I think I do a really good job at is balancing the sort of down to earth components with the spiritual work that I believe is so valuable, but you have to, you know, that has to be a collaborative effort with the client. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to gauge where they are in terms of what they feel they're able to resonate or connect with. Because you can lead someone, try to lead someone down a certain path that you know is helpful for others. But if they don't believe it or they don't really feel it, it's not going to open. Because what you're describing, I was almost visualizing when you said, you know, people have their, they're their own greatest source of wisdom and and solutions, resolution. They're the only ones that ever can resolve something. And, you know, I know that as a therapist, that a therapist doesn't do anything to fix anybody. They just offer ideas and suggestions and guidance that the person, if they can feel that and can utilize what's really open themselves up with what's being shared, that's when it change happens. You know, everything's about the individual. Nobody else can do anything for another person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, like the relationship is so important and even, you know, given the nature of my work where it's meant to be a short-term intervention and not ongoing work, you know, I might see someone one time and that's the resolution they need, or I see someone three or four times over the course of several weeks or several months, but it's not necessarily an ongoing relationship, but that relationship piece is still so important, like having the trust there in the first session, meeting someone and diving into, you know, the deepest trauma that they have sometimes is um, such an honor that people trust me and to hold that space for them and to help them be in a safe space to get through it. I'm always actually so touched and amazed by that, that people can lean in. And I think that that's partly how I show up and present myself. And I also believe that clients are attracted to each of us for a reason so that hopefully it's the right energetic match. Um, But it's a beautiful thing when there's that synergistic trust and openness and vulnerability that can happen. Yeah. Well, I would love for you to tell a little bit more about some of your modalities and techniques. But first, I I was wondering if you could share with us, how have you used your own techniques? How have you utilized some of these things to work through your own? Because everybody has something. (laughs) Everybody has their own. Um, And, you know, you and I are close friends. So I think it's fair to share that we talk about it together, about the stuff that even as working professionals in the healing field, we're still working on certain things. A lot of this stuff is deep and persistent and can take time. So what has been something that you, or what maybe was the first thing that you recognized? You said you went to therapy early on. And since then, what have you been trying to heal for yourself? 
Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we're never done. <laughs> there are always more layers, which yeah. is sort of uh, the the beauty and I don't know. The battle. I don't know. Yeah, the battle. <laughs> the that's the a battle. good word. Yeah. Of <laughs> um, this kind of work is, you know, gaining more awareness, but realizing thinking you healed something and you're in a good place with it. And then a couple of years later, you're triggered in a new way. And oh my goodness, there it is. Like that same issue from when I was 16, what's going on. Um, but but that also, was done. <laughs> right. But also hopefully having the compassion for myself, for ourselves of like acknowledging that there's the work still has been done, but that doesn't mean that the body or the mind's going to be devoid of that past experience and um and hopefully being able to sit with that in a new way because I certainly am can be hard on myself and that's not good you know that doesn't do anyone any good um but yes all the techniques that I use have been really instrumental in my own healing journey and that's why I think I can present so authentically about them because they're things that I really believe in and I've tried I don't know dozens, hundreds more different techniques. And not to say that those aren't amazing, but just certain things resonate for different people. And of course, like what I offer is certainly not for everyone. Um, but let's see. I mean, I, I have my biggest challenge. I mean, my biggest relationship challenge growing up was my father and did a lot of EMDR around relationships with men um, with a really wonderful therapist in my 20s and also was introduced to EFT and uh, what else? At past life regression at that point. And so a lot of exploration of tapping into the person that I lost in a certain sense or that was so sort of muted in in the dominance that was happening in my family. Um, and of course, like I personally believe that that's all trauma-based, ancestral trauma-based and not because anyone's a bad person, but it still has such an impact. And for me personally, healing, breaking those patterns, healing ancestral trauma is something I'm really, really passionate about because those things that we have reactions to, and we don't even have a reason for why we're like that, or, you know, an origin point from earlier in life of where that came from, but yet here it is. So, um, and then let's see what else I have. Um, the metaphysical anatomy has been really impactful in a lot of different ways. I've worked with some amazing practitioners, um, and, just all the things that I offer, like little pieces here and there. Like I can't say I've had one super profound experience in any one technique, but that when I use the techniques that I use, there's such a sense of relief or such a sense of letting go. And then, so, you know, maybe to give an analogy, like when you have a massage, there's you feel great after, or you have any kind of body work. And then our body naturally holds tension patterns. So it's curious to see like when the body, you know, does the body go back to stress after three days or after two weeks, if you're really lucky, or maybe even longer. Um, and I would love to say that, you know, all the work is permanent. And I think that a lot of what I do, it does get at the really deep layers that, is long lasting. Um, it's not just like a quick fix or, um, kind of a 
paper, you know, paper macheing over an issue or something. Um, but also we all have different levels of resistance to holding on to things. Like we talk about, there's a term of secondary gains. It's like, if I have a physical ailment, like for example, if I have back pain and I really want to heal that back pain because I'm uncomfortable, but that makes my spouse take better care of me or be more kind or considerate to me. There's a good reason that I want to keep that back pain subconsciously. And so um, I'm always, if, if things don't have a big shift after one session, that's what I'm curious to dive into more is like, well, what are the underlying reasons that this is staying so in place, especially when there's chronic issues that tend to go on for a long period of time. I think, you know, we, we have this amazing intelligence in our bodies. That's so much bigger than our brain that we need to really tap into it to understand what's going on. We can't think our way. We can't think our way healed or, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Why do you think people don't listen to their body so much? Uh, well, one, I think we're not taught to. I think in our culture that just it, it values cognitive intelligence so much versus more indigenous cultures or other cultures in this world do value the intelligence of the body more. Um, I think that um, with, I know certainly for women, we just, uh, there's such a disconnect from the natural rhythms of the body. Like we, you know, from being kids, you know, young girls being put on birth control or just different ways that we medicate or regulate the body more synthetically, um, takes away our, our ability to listen to what's really going on. And, I mean, that's, you know, really the, the over medication, I think, in the society, too, which I'm certainly not against medication for people that really need it. But I don't think that that should ever be like a great long term solution. Well, and I, I think that do you think it also has to do with a little bit of impatience that and also maybe resistance? Because I, there's definitely times in my life where I didn't want to know what my body had to say. Because I didn't want it to mess up what I was doing. Yes. Whether it's, and I, I bring this up a lot because I specialize in addiction eating disorders. I mean, when you're deep in an eating disorder, you don't want to have to think about what your body would have to say yeah. about what you're doing because it's too hard. It's too hard to admit that your body is probably not very happy and really suffering. Yeah. And it's easy to think that our body is just, can just be collateral for what we want to do. Well, I can run as much as I want. I can, you know, exercise in this way and I can eat in this way. And I'm, I don't need to check in with anybody else. And our body is saying, well, wait a minute that, and then, you know, we have symptoms based on that, that come up and we don't want to deal with those either. So we do something fast. That's yeah. where the impatient comes in is that we think, oh gosh, I don't want to have to deal with whatever's really going on. Yeah. And there's a lot of really quick fix options. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Thank you for bringing that up. I personally, so when, because I grew up in such a healthy, nutritionally healthy household, um, but it was very strict. So at a certain point in my teens, especially and into college, I rebelled from that. I mean, I hadn't been able to eat sugar <laughs> for so long. And so I just really went, I was really compulsive. Um, and between, you know, that and some of the yeah, the choices about how I fed my body, the choices about how I slept or didn't sleep. Um, I, you know, I was also born a C-section and had a lot of antibiotics when I was younger because of ear infections. And there's so many factors that 
hurt our immune system over time. And then, you know, I get to my early thirties and I'm having gut health issues and, you know, to some degree, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons, there's metaphysical reasons, emotional reasons, you know, definitely physical reasons. And how can I negate how bad I treated my body 10 years prior to that? And not that I, not that I think we you know, need to be suffering now for something in the past, or I should blame myself for that because of course it was there for a reason. But regardless, you know, I, it's so easy for me personally. And I think for a lot of people to feel sort of betrayed by our bodies when it, when it does things that don't feel good or that is uh, less convenient for our lifestyle mm-hmm. versus shaping our lifestyle around what our body needs and really like the body's probably, at least from my perspective, for me personally, been suffering for so long and like working so hard to keep itself in balance. And, you know, with the, you know, we talk about pH, like the balance of acidity and alkaline and all of that, that that's what keeps the body in good health. And, you know, then you get to a breaking point, but that breaking point is not necessarily when the bad behavior is going on. That breaking point is often much later when things have built up to a a point where the body doesn't know how to rebalance. And I think that that's also, you know, coming more into present day, it's like, if I'm wanting to eat because I'm feeling sad or um, looking to eat, even when I'm not hungry, that if I were to actually check in with the body, the body would say like, no, don't do that. Or don't eat so late at night or, you know, whatever I'm doing. And then what would I do with that? Like I, you know, then you have to sit with the feelings and most people don't want to do that. So we ignore the body. And I think just like intuition, when we ignore intuition or the body or the subtle cues that we're getting over and over and over, they sort of go on mute to a certain degree, or they're just like, there's a sense of giving up. Like, what's the point? Why, why am I continuing to communicate with this woman? Like she's not listening. (laughs) And so the more, but it's, of course it never like dies. So the more that we honor that and keep coming back to that, which I think, you know, you and I have both experienced, especially with intuition, the more it gets loud and starts to come back on board and have, you know, be a collaborative effort with the mind instead of the mind running the show. Yeah. And sometimes the issues come up and, and we say this, where did this come from? You know, I think it can manifest in something that might seem totally unrelated to, you know, something that maybe might make sense. Like if we, you know, ate too much sugar, ate a lot of processed foods, maybe it would make sense if we had, you know, issues with digestion or something. But if you have, you know, different things come up, whether it's skin issues or teeth issues or something else, and you're like, what is this about? I didn't do anything for this, but it's, you know, because your body's it's, there's so much interconnection. It's, it can be hard to sort of figure out, like pull apart, like what exactly it is. That's true. Yeah. And there's a lot of good books about the metaphysical or the emotional root causes of physical ailments, which mm. I think, I mean, I will refer to because that can be so helpful to maybe give us like a little bit of a push in the right direction. If we're really not sure, like I could be eating all the healthy food in the world, but if I'm not, if I'm sitting with unprocessed emotion or I don't have good boundaries or I'm feeling overloaded, of course, like that's going to be felt in the belly or in the gut. And a lot of people, you know, for example, like leg issues or feet issues, it's like your legs and your feet are what carry you forward in the world. So when people are feeling stuck, 
they often have issues in that sense, or, you know, lower back is related to financial uh, pieces about Mm. insecurity or lack of stability and also carrying a lot of burden. The shoulders have a similar, a little bit different of like holding the weight of the world and, and neck. And so there's just, there's so many, I mean, what I find really fascinating other than looking up those specifically is you can literally, it's like a literal metaphor. Like if your shoulders are hurting, like what's pressing down on you or like, what's another good example? Like when people are feeling emotional, they'll often put their hand on their heart and there's a really te- good technique um, that's from energy medicine called the thymus thump, where you're tapping on your thymus gland, which is right above your heart, that helps regulate your emotions, calm your nervous system down. And so our bodies, you know, they we naturally do things that are meant to soothe ourselves or meant to come back into regulation. Um, and so if we're, we bring more conscious awareness to those little things that we're doing, like we take a pause and we take a deep breath or you know, like you touch your shoulder because you're like, wow, like I really need some comfort right now or something like that um, to notice those and then to lean into that more instead of just continuing about your busy day gives you a lot of good information. Yeah. There's so much information that we're, (laughs) we have access to, but we're disconnected from. And that's why I think it's so important that people like you and others who speak to this can start to bring it to people's awareness. Cause I think, again, so many people walk around saying, what is this about? I have no idea why this happens. I have no, and, but as you started with the answers are all within us, we have them. They're right there but we seek outside of ourselves all the time. Well, I need to go to this doctor and this person and not to say that we shouldn't seek out services from people like yourselves because we might need a little bit of guidance. But I think if everybody could learn to use their own inner guidance and intuition and connection with their body, we'd be a lot healthier. That's right. <laughs> then, then we could actually focus on the spiritual stuff or then, you know, then we would we go to the next level. Right. We're stuck at the <laughs> That's right. You know, level one. Right. Then we wouldn't feel so split. I mean, that's right. It's like the, the books, just like for, you know, an analogy of like dream analysis, like reference books and things that show themes, general themes about what things are related to can be very helpful, but we all have a different association with everything, with words, with relationships, with different parts of our body. And so the best answers come from within, you know, like for even with dream analysis, like what does like a bird mean to you? And that's going to be very different for you than it means to me. So we can look up what a blackbird, you know, meaning is in some dream definition book, but more likely it's just so helpful to ask the question, you know, what does this mean to me? Like, what is this telling me? And to make that a practice because, you know, if you ask that question, likely something's not going to come immediately, especially if you're not in the practice of it. And it might come later in the day, you know, five hours later, you might be surprised something kind of pops in, or you might have to ask that question 20 times before you start to get a little whisper of something Mm -hmm. and to just know that it's worth it because it will eventually come. And just, you know, it's like with intuition or with connecting with your body, it's like a muscle. If you just try to use it once a week or once a month, it's going to be pretty <laughs> pathetic. So that's like when you're, you want to get healthy and you're like, I eat a carrot once a week. <laughs> like, aren't I healthy? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Takes a little more than that. Right. I mean, yeah. all of this stuff, you know, I, I really, I think a lot of the tools that I use are magical because they work so quickly and they're so effective 
And just like anything in life, it's a practice and we can't, we can't expect miracles without the dedication and the conscious awareness of like, this is the direction I'm going in. This is what I want for my life for healing. I want to feel better. I want to feel more connected. Yeah. There needs to be that consistency. Yeah. So I'd love to go over a few things that you, that you use that I think the audience might not be very familiar with. Cause we, we tend when we're in like the healing or therapy world, there's so many acronyms mm-hmm. and people are like, what? Like what is LMN OST, all these things. Right. <laughs> um, so you mentioned metaphysical anatomy. Is that kind of related to everything you were just talking about? Like listening to your, your body system, or is that more like the energetic field around you? Yeah, it is. It is related to what we were talking about. So metaphysical anatomy um, is a technique created by Yvette Rose. And she's also written a really comprehensive book about the metaphysical root causes of different ailments. And the technique primarily works with identifying core emotions that we're, we're feeling still in the present on some level when we feel into the thing, you know, so if someone comes because they're, they're wanting to stop overeating at night, but we feel into the emotion of it. The emotion is often loneliness or feeling helpless or, you know, a range of different core emotions that sometimes we have to dig for because oftentimes when you're not experienced in digging for those or feeling into those core emotions, it might just show up as sadness or tired or, you know, some of the, I I personally refer to that as surface layer emotions, where like, if you were to dive down beneath the surface of that sadness or that exhaustion, what's really there? What's the deeper emotion that's driving that? Um, And then the emotions tend to live or sort of be locked in a certain place in the body. So we're talking about, feeling out of control, then we'll say, okay, so where is that in the body? And it's amazing. It becomes super quick. Oh, that's in my chest or that's in my belly. Um, or that's like in my head or in my hips. Um, and then how does the body react? So we're getting at the trauma instincts, like wanting to fight, to run away, to freeze, to hide. And, you know, in this theory, the emotions get sort of associated or locked into, hooked into the trauma instincts and they, they walk, you know, you walk through life with them hand in hand. So every time I feel out of control, I want to fight or I want to run away. And that's the triggers that we face on a daily basis of I'm having this emotion and my body's freaking out in this way or shutting down or whatever it might be for you. And so the technique is an energy healing technique that works to release the association. So for example, you know, so we just walked through that example, but the brain has all kinds of associations, like for people that have had uh, traumatic family experiences, we might associate um, love with abuse, or we might associate um, food with comfort, you know, that's a big one. And so to work on releasing those associations so that we can just see food as food or have a more neutral experience with some of those emotions without those trauma instincts Mm -hmm. getting so triggered in each moment, um, is really the beauty of the technique. And it's amazing that when, so we take people through deep relaxation so that their brains and their bodies are more receptive to the changes. Um, And so it's a really 
for me personally, being really interested in science or the scientific explanations for why things are happening on a cellular level in our body and how we hold ancestral patterns in our cells or in our energetic fields and all that. It's a really wonderful technique that I think blends the two really well, like definitely has the energy healing component where once we have those associations and and emotions to clear that I am facilitating an energy healing process for you where then in that second half of the session, after the client has courageously explored that inner landscape that can feel intense, they just get to lay back and relax and receive, which is, I personally think is a really nice blend. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that what you said about association is really pertinent because what I find with some of my clients is that they don't, maybe they didn't come from a really traumatic background. They say, well, I was never abused. There wasn't violence in my house. There wasn't any of that. However, to using the term association, if you found that you were, you know, when you were cried or got upset, you weren't attended to, you weren't given like comfort, you felt unseen. Or if you felt like your parents were constantly maybe not fighting violently, but exchanging harsh words. And you just kind of sat there and felt like the unseen child, those you can associate those situations with being unseen or being unworthy and not know why, you know, you can grow up and say, well, why do I always feel that I don't matter in a certain situation or that I don't, I'm not worthy of this or that. And it can be hard to know why, why I have this. Yeah. And that's why trauma is such a it's such a, I don't know, what's complex. Right, like complex or hot button word is like, that means different things to different people. Just like mm-hmm. we were talking about, about word connotations before. Um, there of course is like what they, some people refer to as capital T trauma. That's like the really intense abuse kind of situations, but there's also ongoing. And I don't know if you would even call it low grade because in some ways when trauma or any kind of, um, abuse or neglect or what's the right word I'm looking for, like playing down of who you are and your ability to like stand strong in your own energy when that's happening year after year after year when you're growing up or you're in an unhealthy relationship as an adult even or anything like that. In some ways, that's in, in some ways, you know, not really meaning to compare, but that can be worse because with, you know, big traumatic incidents, it's one, it's, it's there and then it's over and it's in the past. And then you can start beginning to deal with it. But with those ongoing manipulations or gaslighting or things like that, where it's happening for years and years, it's really hard to heal those issues when you're in it um, because it's still being activated all the time. And I worked with a shaman once who sort of referred to it as like a constant, like chipping away at your soul. Like they're just tiny little nick marks in your body or in your energetic field, but they add up over time. And then we can often feel so incomplete or so empty or so dissociated from who we really are. Like, you know, there was points in my late teens and early twenties where I didn't think that I knew who I was at all. And I think that that's more common than not. And that's, you know, somewhat normal to the growing up experience. But then you see kids that do have a more healthy upbringing where their parents honor them for who they are and let them make their own choices and things like that. And there's just more confidence there, more wholeness. And so, um, so trauma certainly can be synonymous for just anything that is 
upsetting from the past, no matter how big or how small, that's somehow impacting your present or that you're getting triggered by. And sometimes we just know, all we know is we have the triggers and we don't know why. And then we go back and explore and some of those origin points become clear. Yeah. And when you're talking about, you know, sort of it chipping away at you, what I came to me was that, you know, trauma is almost twofold and that it happens. There's the origin of trauma. And then it's almost like we revisit our trauma on ourselves because again, that the association, let's say you did, you grew up in certain little things, made you feel unworthy. Well, then you walk through life and you, we're the only ones that decide our reality. Right? So if we feel like, you know, somebody comes up to talk to us and they seem disinterested. And if we've experienced trauma as a child, we might say, oh my gosh, this person thinks that I'm dumb and boring, which is, I mean, where is that true? You know, it's only true in our heads. We're the ones, you know, I mean, maybe they're thinking that, who knows, but we can't know that. And so it's what, because what I've told clients this is, is you're, it's almost like self-harming. You're, it's like this, this sort of metaphysical cutting of yourself where you're like, oh, I'm not worthy because this person isn't interested in me. And we're, we're reliving, re-experiencing our trauma. And we might not know that it's related to early life. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't say it's the only reason, but I I do believe that when we take things personally, that's more of a trauma reaction because a healthy, well-adjusted person with good self-esteem and confidence just isn't thinking like your bad mood today is about me, but the someone that's had trauma or that's had upset that's so hypervigilantly tuned into someone else's emotional experience because they're trying to stay safe trying to not get in trouble, trying to not make waves, that sort of feeling of walking on eggshells that, you know, that's, that's when we do take things personally, because we don't, that's a coping mechanism that we grew up with of like, well, even if it's not mine, I have to find a way to fix it. So therefore anyone that I come into contact with now, I'm responsible for on some level. Yeah. And that's quite a heavy burden to put on ourselves, you know, and to get caught up in any of those misconstrued realities is really, it's a lot of mental torment. It's really, you know, pretty exhausting mentally and really brings you down. It is. And so that's like a perfect time of to say like, okay, if I'm cycling through this negative thought process in my head of like, how do I make this right? What's going on? What's happening with the other person criticizing myself? to drop into the body, to get out of those thoughts and to say like, well, what's, what's really going on here? Because this, these thoughts are associated with the feeling, like, am I feeling out of control? Am I feeling helpless? Am I feeling hopeless? Am I feeling, what would it be another good example? Like unworthy or less than or small unworthy or worthless. Those are really big ones. Um, So to really tune into what's going on in your body, because once you can acknowledge that emotion, it's, it gets a little bit easier to label the thoughts as just thoughts instead of having to like compulsively figure out how to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. And so then let's look at some of the the things that you can use when you've maybe identified like, okay, because this is the first step, right? Like you can, you can recognize, oh, this is my tendency. This is what's going on when I do this. But then it's the whole bag of worms of, well, how do I stop doing this? So can you tell us a little bit about, we used EFT and NLP. So NLP is neuro linguistic programming. Can you share about how you use that as a tool for people? 
Sure. That's more uh, in my hypnotherapy practice. Um, it's sort of woven in. We use different strategies to rewire the brain. Um, that sounds nice. Make, <laughs> rewire my brain. To make new associations in a sense. So to um, play with the way we sense into different things. Like if we take something way far away from us versus something's close or something's in black and white versus something's in color or the the sound that we're hearing with an associated trauma and shifting that, um, working with colors, working with different metaphors, like objects of like, okay, well, what needs to happen to that? Like, what do you need to do to get that old thing as far away from you as you possibly can? And that also gives ch- a people a chance to really lean into self-expression. Like if in a, in real life, you wouldn't scream at someone or you wouldn't burn something or you wouldn't kick and scream and have a temper tantrum in the privacy of your own mind or with me out loud, if you, you know, if a client wants to share, they can have that experience. And the beautiful thing about your subconscious and, and hypnotherapy specifically is that we access those points and bring it as vividly as we can into the imagination. And when that happens, when you look at brain scans, it's they've proven that the brain literally doesn't know whether it's happening mm-hmm. or it's imagination. Like if we're working on fear of flying and you pull up that feeling so viscerally, your brain doesn't know whether you're sitting on the plane ready to take off or you're sitting on the couch with me um, working on the issue. And so pulling it up so specifically allows us to have that experience that, you know, that we only might, might uh, fantasize about or something in, in the safety and the privacy of your own healing work. Yeah. And then uh, EFT, the other one you mentioned, um, I think EFT is amazing for clearing out any kind of energetic blocks. And this is often a technique that I give to clients as homework after, because when we work on deep issues, you know, if we take the intensity from 100% down to 40%, that's great progress. And the next time you're in the kitchen and you're wanting to eat, or the next time your husband screams at you and you might go to have the same reaction you, because the intensity is released, is reduced, you have the ability to choose to like get that small pause that the old trigger doesn't allow you to have and to make a different choice. Like maybe you say, you know, if you're having a fight with someone, I need to take five and I need to go regulate my nervous system. Or you say like, you can't talk to me that way instead of fighting back. Um, And so EFT is a really great technique to use in the moment where you tap on different meridian points of the body that are specifically related to emotional intensity. And for me personally, and I like to tell clients, it's like literally like your body getting flushed out. Mm. So, you know, you can really just take only five or 10 minutes, often five minutes to take yourself from a very agitated or whatever you're feeling anxious state back down to a more neutral place where then again, same concept as you have different ability to make different choices when your nervous system is calmer. That sounds like it would be very helpful. (laughs) Can people do this for themselves? Yeah. So I will often sort of go over an example in a session, but because I'm often more focused on like deeper healing work in a session, I send people resources and techniques after that they should play around with and try out on their own. And then if they have any questions, of course, we come back and talk about it. But there's a lot of really great videos on YouTube about EFT. And generally, you're just speaking out loud what you're feeling 
in that moment, like my husband's such a jerk, like whatever that might be, or this resisting this food is so hard. And you tap through all the points until you feel that flush or that, that lowering down of the trigger or of the nervous system into a more peaceful place. And if you don't feel a shift, oftentimes you're maybe ignoring one part of that issue, like how that's making you feel or something. But generally people, you know, when they're agitated in the moment and they're speaking what they feel as they're tapping, it shifts because it's just energy moving. And instead of suppressing it or taking a pill or going to watch TV or somehow Mm -hmm. distracting yourself from it, and you just lean into the feeling, it's amazing how feeling, how quickly feelings can shift. Yeah. Yet in order to shift, it needs to have the uh, ability to do so. So it needs rather, because what I work a lot with with clients and I see in myself is that when there's constriction in the body, both like the energetic body and the physical body and in your mind, there's, it's anything that's constricted. There's not going to be a good flow to it. And it's hard for energy to move if it's, you know, constricted, it doesn't have flow. And so what can people do? I know that you offer your clients emotional self-care tips. So, you know, we can have a session with you and get all this down, but then, you know, a lot of it comes down to the end of the day, end of the day, where it's just you yourself, you're winding down your day. What ways can we show care to ourselves and say, how do I, because it's really hard to heal and work through these things. And we don't have a good relationship with ourselves in terms of understanding that we deserve this. We deserve to be free, mm-hmm. to be free of these stressors and this pain and these wounds to be able to heal them, to be able to move this energy through so we can have a new experience. Cause I think, you know, I know I experience it. I see clients, we get frustrated and we're like, what, what can I do to get through this? What can I do to shift this energy? So what are ways that we can, you know, maybe a night practice or a morning practice where we engage in a way that helps us to feel some emotional care and nurturing towards ourselves. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so I would say first that, you know, no, when you start doing these kind of practices that the goal is really just, you know, it's not necessarily healing this like big thing. It's just to soothe yourself and just to learn how to take care of yourself in a different way than you ever have before. Like when we talk about inner child work, it's like, we, um, a teacher has told me, which I really agree with that inner child work is not necessarily going back and taking care of the young one. Although that's a very, very sweet visualization to have, but it's going back and attending to the emotional body that was neglected or abused or somehow mistreated. And that's still in pain from that. Um, so even just to acknowledge, like I will show up to take care of myself even though there might not be other people taking care of me right now is so powerful. Like our bodies, our minds, our souls, I believe, feel it. Um, I would say that my favorite um, morning practices to sort of get in the rhythm of honoring yourself in a different way and taking care of yourself is to check in with your needs. So I um, sort of modified a practice that I, that I found a long time ago that I really love that, It's just asking three simple questions. What does my body need right now or today? What does my mind need? And what does my soul need? And, you know, to ask yourself each of those questions doesn't have to be in meditation or anything in particular, you know, in particularly deep, but that you're taking a few deep breaths, you're aligning yourself 
as much as you can being present in your body without distractions. And then just asking body, what do you need today? And again, like sometimes something comes right away and other times you need to do it 10 days in a row before something comes. And the key is to not get frustrated and to just accept where you are. Um, but generally, like when you tune into your body in the morning, you'll know, like, is the body tired still? Does it feel refreshed? Like, does it need water? Does it need to go to the bathroom? Like we, you, you, I, you know, the goal is to keep it simple. Like we don't need like a whole long list about like what the body needs that that's the levels of nuance that may come later or may not even be necessary. It's just showing up to say like, Hey, how can I take care of you? And then mind, what do you need? Like, do you need a slow day? Do you need some quiet time? Do you need a break from work at a certain point? Do you need to do something different on your way home because you were overstimulated yesterday? Um, things of that nature. And then what does my soul need? And this, this question can be skipped or not, depending on your spiritual beliefs, but checking in with, you know, if, if that works for you, checking in with like, okay, well, what is the higher, wiser part of me need? Like, I have this human self that's doing this life, but what is the larger part of me need to feel nourished, to feel loved, to feel cared about? And that might be a very different answer from what the body and the mind need, or it might be similar. And then I take sort of the, the general responses of that. And of course, because when you do a practice like this, like we talked about, you know, if your body tells you it doesn't want to eat, but you eat anyway, that that's not the, not the best as far as integrity and alignment. So the key is follow through here. So now that we have some of these answers and, you know, again, just keeping it to one or two very simple words for what does each part need. And then I like to set a keyword intention. Like if I, my body's really tired and I need, my mind just needs a mellower day, my keyword intention might be just like, keep coming back to my breath or take one minute pauses once an hour or some, or it might be one of your words. If it's come, if it's come up multiple times, like I just need more slowness or more relaxation throughout the day. And then, so setting some idea of how you might do that. It can only take five minutes. This is not a big commitment just to find a way to honor what those needs are. And then finally, I tend to write like an empowered statement or an affirmation. That's my mantra throughout the day. Like I honor myself enough to take breaks or my energy is important today. Or, you know, I, I honor my needs just as much as I take care of others or whatever that might be for you, or I'm strong or I'm powerful so whatever feels like it sort of supports those needs that are being met. Um, so that's one of my favorite morning practices that I think is just a really nice way to get in touch with your needs in different ways. Um, I also there's I have another sort of morning prayer that I do that's acknowledging how much things shift in the body every day. So on average, our bodies generate 500 million new cells every day. And we tend to think like, oh, I'm just stuck in this rut or I'm the same person or I have the same mm -hmm. shit or, you know, it's, but really that's not true. Really, we are regenerating and coming back into balance as much as the body is capable of and the mind is capable of all the time. So the practice of welcoming in those new cells, welcoming in new thought processes, welcoming in new energetic qualities and to express gratitude for the fact that they're here and that they're healthy and happy and vibrant and abundant and whatever other words feel most important to you. 
And then ask those new cells, those new energetic patterns to go merge with the old cells or to teach the old cells this new way so that your body begins to shift more towards the awareness and the person that you're intending to be or aiming to be on a more daily basis instead of that, you know, what we often habitually do is we wake up and we remember the things that we weren't that happy about the day before. And we just get right back into those old grooves. And really there's, there's so much more possibility than we realize for creating new grooves all the time. Mm -hmm. Wow. 500,000 new cells, 500 million. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's just a bit more. Wow. That makes it sound like your body's just like this whole big party. There's like 500 million little things. there, all looking to help you. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable when you take a step back and I do focus on this a lot, working with people with eating disorders is just how magnificent our bodies are Mm -hmm. and just how many components there are to it and how many things are working for us just to get our body running and to get us through our day. So I think that's something that's real, a different perspective that can be kind of take you out of yourself a little bit where it's like, it's not just, you know, my focus about my perceived deficits or concerns, but like, I have this amazing body that's doing so much to regenerate itself every day. And all these cells are here for this big party. So let's do it. (laughs) And they want to thrive. Yeah. Anything that is living is meant to thrive. It's not meant to be in stagnation or disease. You know, we call that dis-ease. It's just, that's not the natural state. Um, it's a state of, you know, some of our world, unfortunately, but, you know, even like look at how much things shifted in the beginning of the pandemic when there was no traffic and no airplanes and all of that. It's like, you could literally see the sky bluer and all these amazing things. And of course that's like not nearly enough for what the world needs, but it's just, the reflection or the evidence that things are healing all the time. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful thought to keep with us. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, I'll just, I'll add to that. You know, I really, I do believe in a morning practice and an evening practice and sort of rituals that we consistently come back to um, on a daily basis, because those are like the foundations of our self-care and the foundations of honoring ourselves first and foremost as a priority And what I'm really a big proponent of is those little techniques throughout the day Mm -hmm. that help people reset. Because personally, it's, you know, I I like to do my morning practice, but it's also not a time where I really feel like I need a reset. I feel like I'm usually in a pretty good space, but after a certain number of clients and a lot of busyness and emails and all that, that's when I need the reset. And I feel like people that are working probably much more stressful jobs than me. Like those, those are the times where you need to reset even more. And so I personally am always encouraging people to do, you know, to just take 60 seconds. Like when we feel like we're so over busy, we just want to keep plowing through. Don't stop till it's done. It's like the, the nervous system is on overdrive and the nervous, you know, the, the body, the brain doesn't do its best work when we're on overdrive. We feel scattered. We feel kind of uh, static and all different ranges of things for people. And so for me, those are things like breath work, like, okay, well, you know, talking to a busy lawyer or to someone in the corporate world. So you can't do, you can't take 15 minutes to meditate at lunch, but can you take 60 seconds and 
do some slow, deep breathing where your exhales are longer than your inhales, which stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and we call it rest and digest the softer part of you. Or there's a really great technique called box breathing where you it's, I think it's like, you know, hitting the reset button for your nervous system where you inhale for four, four counts, you hold at the top for four, you exhale for four and you hold at the bottom for four and just regulating the breath into four even parts starts to sync back up your breath with your nervous system, with your thought patterns. And, um, to me, that's one of my favorites, um, There's also deep belly breathing or heart breathing if you need to come back into more awareness of your heart or your body and out of your head. There's also little techniques where you tap, like you don't have to do the full EFT sequence. You can just tap on, there's the thymus point right above the heart in the center of your chest, where if you tap there, you'll feel a vibration that goes back to your spine. And just doing that tapping for 30 seconds or 60 seconds, significant. Or for 60 seconds, you imagine white light or some kind of healing light, a color of your choice, even pouring down on you. And that light goes all the way to the bottoms of your feet and starts to fill you up inch by inch by inch with this radiant, gorgeous healing light instead of the, the like chaotic pattern that your body has been in. Um, there's a lot of things, techniques that focus on where our eye gaze is. So a technique that I learned from my hypnosis teacher is when you shift out to peripheral vision. So whenever we're focused on, you know, we're angry about something or really intent about something, you can stare straight forward, think about the thing, take a deep breath. And then as you look forward, you just start to expand your eye gaze into peripheral vision, like two inches out and four inches out and six inches. And you keep expanding to the sides more and more and more out to the sides, you take in more of up and down, your brain starts to even fill in more, um, you know, content that you can't really see technically to the sides and even behind you. And you come back to your center and notice what's happened in your body. And when you're shifting into peripheral vision, you can't focus on that emotional experience that you're having. So that in itself is a reset. Um, So there's so many really powerful ways that you can reset your nervous system in 60 seconds that allows you to take a deep breath and then to go back to work or to dealing with the kids or whatever you're doing from a much more grounded, centered, wholehearted place versus being in the brain and so that's that's what I personally am more passionate about sharing with the world because you know when we reset our nervous systems throughout the day instead of like you know you your nervous system revs up and then it stays at that like 30% that it revs up a little bit more and so like you know as a graph like that goes up it just keeps going up so that by the time you get home you're at that like max point you're fried it's much more likely to make poor choices with food or how we communicate with loved ones and all that versus any time that your nervous system escalates. If you can do that 60 seconds, you come back down to neutral and escalates, you come back down to neutral. So that chart then becomes more like mountains that go up and down instead of constantly going up throughout the day. Those are some awesome options Mm -hmm. and suggestions for just, just something that little, yeah. something as one minute can just really, and it's amazing, especially anything to do with the breath can just really, when it feels impossible to feel grounded, it just, it really brings you back to your essence and it just calms the whole system. Yeah, absolutely. Even just that question of like, 
who am I? Like, what's important right now? Mm -hmm. Like those questions all get easier when we keep coming back instead of just fighting through. Yeah. Thank you so much for those. And then Another thing I want to touch on is you also have some really cool natural healing remedies. Mm -hmm. So actual, you know, we talked earlier about getting to the source of things and not just kind of using band-aids or using things that are sort of more holistic or healthy approaches to treat whatever's going on for us. Um, And I've seen a few of them this week while we've been hanging out. I I still haven't tried some oil pulling. (laughs) Something We have one more time one more morning tomorrow that I'm bound and determined to do an oil pull. Can you, this isn't like something you go outside and you find some oil and pull from the ground. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite practices. Uh, there's, there's so much research about how our oral health or our teeth health is directly related to our gut health and so many processes in the body. And so if there's any like slow grade infection or anything that's going on that impacts not only your teeth, but your whole body. And so um, separate from brushing, it's a really wonderful practice from Ayurveda that, um, you put some coconut oil, most likely, or some people do sesame oil in your mouth and you just swish it around for anywhere between five minutes. If you're a beginner to up until 20 minutes. And as you swish it around, because especially coconut oil is antibacterial and antiviral, it pulls junk out from your gums in a way that flossing or brushing can just never do. And, um, when you oil pull, it's really important to spit the oil into a trash can because uh, especially coconut oil can get solidified if you try to spit it down a sink. Um, so, and it's also like highly toxic. Like you never, (laughs) you never want to touch that because, um, you know, the, the amount of junk that comes out is amazing. So that's, that is my favorite, um, healthy sort of practice in the morning as far as oral health goes. And you, for me personally, once you start doing it, you really notice a big difference when you don't do it. So yeah, you got to try it and you don't, you don't swallow, right? You don't don't swallow. swallow. Yeah. So you have to be, so the goal is to just swish it around, which is why some people, you know, we need to start with five minutes because that gets, you know, that can be, feel very strange in the beginning. And then, you know, at a certain point, it just becomes so normal. You're just like, you don't want to hold it in your mouth. You actually want to be swishing it through your teeth, you know, many times so that it is pulling out the toxins. Yeah. I'm going to try that as soon as we're done. All right. What else you got for us in terms of remedies you'd Um, like to share? So the, another health thing that I think is the, one of the most important things is light therapy, um, connecting with the sun. And so, the sun, especially in the early morning with the, with red tones is the healthiest and it's best to get it, uh, first thing when you wake up if possible. And also, um, without any contacts or glasses that you actually want the red light to hit your retina. And I'm going to totally blank on the hormone, but it starts to produce hormones in your body that get your body going. And then the earlier you get that light in the morning, the late, the, the more regularly you start producing melatonin on your own at night, which is this, the hormone that you need to go to sleep that people often supplement because when we have fake fluorescent lights on or whatever the lighting is all, all the time, the body's natural circadian rhythms get really skewed and we don't, the body doesn't know when to produce what thing. Um, so sunlight red sunlight early in the morning is the best thing. And if you, for people that live in colder climates or in the Northern hemisphere, that light is hard, especially in the winter, I highly recommend sunlight, sun lamps. Um, they were, you know, sort of originally for seasonal affective disorder, which is still great for, but I think anyone 
can benefit from them that you turn the sunlight on the first thing when you wake up and just sit next to it for 10 minutes as you're having coffee or whatever you do in the morning. And it's amazing. You will literally feel it boost your mood, boost your energy, boost your, you know, sort of excitement and readiness for the day. Um, so, and you know, you can get one for 20 or $30 on Amazon. So I highly recommend everyone doing that. I also think the sun is amazing for when we have food cravings that, you know, oftentimes we're just so deficient. Um, and this is specifically vitamin D, but just deficient in connection with the earth. So um, when we talk about grounding, you put your bare feet on the grass or the earth to connect with the electromagnetic charge, which is very healing for your body. And something that our ancestors did every day that we've, we now have, uh, completely gotten away from in our culture. Um, but to also just receive the sunlight pouring down on you that that can instantly fill you up and change a craving like no other. It's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. So sunlight is really important. Um, there's also, you know, different, um, benefits of lemon water. So lemon water is the, the only caveat I would add is it's not great if you have a lot of teeth issues because of the acidity of the lemon, but the lemon water is great for clearing out your liver and you de- um, to sort of detox once before you've had any food every day. Um, and the other detox, uh, practice that I really like is castor oil packs where you use castor oil to put it on your liver or on your belly or some other part of your body that you're having acne or any kind of detox symptoms. And you let the oil, so you put the oil on and then you put a natural cloth on like a cotton or a flannel and you just let that sit and absorb into your body, um, for, you know, some people, some people do it up to an hour, but even 20 minutes is great. And they're also, you know, there's a couple companies that make them where you can sort of sleep with them overnight. So that's nice too. Um, so those are my probably biggest go-tos. And then as far as supplementation, you know, I'm not a, a doctor or a, a licensed practitioner, so I can't make any specific recommendations, but I think in general herbs that are helpful, Um, If you're feeling a little uh, under the weather or just in general to boost your immune system, our fresh ginger, fresh turmeric, if you can get it, Um, oil of oregano is incredible. It has antiviral and antibacterial properties, Um, upping zinc intake, elderberry, uh, quercetin, Um, and also to make sure, well, if you're a vegetarian, to make sure you're getting proper doses of vitamin B. Um, and I also think that most people can use, uh, vitamin D three and magnesium that we're all, you know, that's part of the reason that a lot of us can't sleep too, is uh, magnesium deficiency or, um, again, just dysregulation with D three. Um, and lastly, I'll add for, especially for the summertime to make sure that you're getting electrolytes because for whatever reason, a lot of people don't process water intake super well. And so we're not really nourishing or, um, hydrating the cells the way that they need to be. Wow. The audience is going to be taking notes on this. They're going to have to re-listen. I hope you have a piece of paper and a pen because that's all (laughs) such fantastic tips. That's so great. Wow. Well, Allison, 
Thank you so much for joining me at the table, Thank you <laughs> taking the time me. out of your, your busy day with all your fabulous clients to chat with us and share about your amazing work. I mean, oh my goodness, what a wealth of, of knowledge and understanding. And, you know, I've gotten to be with you here and, and see you, you know, in your elements and you've been kind enough to offer me, you know, a few little samples of your work and, you know, your, your level of passion is just really remarkable. And is also, I really admire your dedication. You know, as we can tell in this podcast, you're very thorough Mm -hmm. and have such a deep understanding of this work. And I sense that in the way that you talk about your work and that you really care. There's a deep caring, but also you use the word curious earlier. And it made me think of you, you seem very, you care about this and it shows and people do their best work. I think their soul's work when they follow what compels them when they follow. And that seems like you found that that's the work that you do. Yeah. Thank you so much for those compliments. That's, I mean, I totally feel that way as I'm so lucky, lucky to do the work that I do. I love the work that I do. Even, you know, sometimes clients will say to me, like, I feel bad. This is so heavy. And I'm like, this is the purpose. Like we are all meant to express this and this is a safe environment to do so. And it like almost will make me tear up that it's like my honor that I get to witness that. Um, and I, will forever be a student and learning and growing. And I just, you know, I'm always seeking, you know, continuing to seek my own healing path and journey. And I think that that makes usually the best practitioners because when we think we know that's a little dangerous, but when we realize we don't know, or we're doing the best we can, but are still open to growth and expansion that like the sky can be the limit or, or not (laughs) the universe can be the The infinite (laughs) infinity and beyond is where we can go. Well, I'm so grateful to have you as my friend and to be on that infinite journey with you of growth and to be able to work together to explore that abyss beyond. So Allison brings back a little bit down to the ground. If people want to connect with you and work with you, get started. How can they find you? Sure. So my website is uh, spiritualsunrise.com. And uh, I have a free PDF there. That's just five easy and effective stress relief techniques, similar that we talked about today, but I actually, I think there was only one overlap. So you can go grab that and learn a few more. And I'm also happy to give anyone 20% off a healing session from this podcast if they're interested. And I also do free consult calls. So if anyone just wants to get more information, I'm happy to do that also. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure they will. Your phone's going to be ringing off the hook because <laughs> you're just amazing. Thank you. All right. Well, time to move on to the oil pull and making some healthy dinner and incorporating all your tips. I got to get started. thank you so much Allison yeah my pleasure thank you for having me that wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast if you enjoyed this episode please do share it with others and come back for more if anything you heard resonates leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website womenwaken.com have a wonderful rest of your day And don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.